Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast. This is episode 181. Uh, this episode we have uh, Dre Taylor from Nile Valley Aquaponics. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Long time. <laughs> and then we also have uh, myself, uh, your host Steve from Pumponics. So uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, what you do and what your background is there. Uh, I know I understand you're over in Missouri and you've been doing the aquaponic uh, you know, veggie thing for quite a long time. And now you're kind of looking to try and um, you know, move into the, the hemp space as well. And you've been putting a lot of hard work into that. So uh, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, thanks for having me. So uh, I've probably been doing aquaponics about 10 years now. Uh, my uncle, he was doing some hydroponics back in the day, and uh, uh, I met Will Allen. He came to Kansas City. I'm out of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Will came to Kansas City, Missouri, did a workshop back in about 2010 or so, and uh, went to that workshop, me, my uncle, my grandfather, and ever since then, we've been doing aquaponics. We all went home, but our own little individual aquaponics system, the two-tier system that he teaches, and so kind of been like a disciple of Will's kind of been my mentor up there in milwaukee and so uh i have a mentoring program called males to men and so i have uh probably about total currently about 50 young young men that i mentor uh, in kansas city every monday so i want to teach them about entrepreneurship giving back to the community growing food and i said what better way than aquaponics and so uh 2014 uh, me and my boys, we uh, we built a small aquaponics system uh, out of the school that I used to attend, the elementary school. It was in a basement. We had like a 100-gallon fish tank. We had a four-foot by eight-foot grow table. And uh, we would bring people down to this basement, and I was amused about how uh, these plants fuel the vegetables. And so uh, that's how we start receiving funds, because we're a nonprofit. And uh, that's when we went ahead and we took over five vacant lots in Kansas City, trouble lots, right in the middle of the inner city. Uh, we took down some trees. We repurposed some of those trees that we, we cut down. So we got some walnut slabs, oak slabs, and uh, we repurposed those for like benches. I have a walnut slab at the table in my office. And uh, we built a greenhouse, uh, 30 feet by 150 feet, so 4,500 square foot greenhouse. Uh, we dug the fish tanks. We have two uh, 20,000 gallon fish tanks, six feet deep, four foot wide, 120 feet long. And we have one that's uh, half that size, six feet deep, four foot wide, uh, 50 feet long. And so uh, we grew <clears throat> tilapia inside of the tanks and it's a, a multi-tier system. I think we have uh, four tiers on two of our, our uh, tanks. Uh, the tanks are ground level. And uh, above one of the tanks, I bred black soldier fly larvae to feed to the fish. So I actually got a patent for the black soldier fly larvae to control them when they come out of the system and they stay inside of the system so they can do self-harvesting. Uh, and we do uh, floating rafts above uh, the gravel beds. So we have two uh, floating raft beds above our gravel bed and then underneath one of our our systems, we have that black soldier fly larva uh, inside of the system and our aquaponics and our greenhouse. We also have two small hot tunnels that we just do some regular gardening in. Uh, I have like 10 goats on the property. And I also have uh, a fruit orchard, Kansas City Urban uh, Fruit Orchard Forum Co-op. And so uh, it's like almost 200 fruit trees and almost 100 beehives. 
And so just really trying to create, you know, uh, put a dent in the natural food system here in Kansas City, Missouri. So what are some of the challenges you found trying to get started there in the beginning doing aquaponics? Uh, challenges, you know, when you go from uh, a hundred gallon tank to now 50 gallon, 50,000 gallons of water is challenges. <laughs> and so uh, you scaling up is always, you know, different than doing a small, uh, small, a small system. The, the problems in a larger system is gradual, you know, as a compared to a smaller system where things happen like right overnight. And so it uh, gives you time to identify certain things. Uh, you learn your system. Not all systems are the same. No matter how many times I went to Milwaukee and seen it set up, you know, everybody's system is not the same. And so you have to learn and identify your system and get it, you know, working and clicking on all cylinders. So. Uh, it was just a learning lesson and getting everything up and going. You know, I had a spoil partnership in the beginning that we we got out of. And so it took us a little while to get up and going and get from move from that partnership that we had. But, uh, you know, it's been a great learning experience. We have, you know, thousands of people that come by to the facility a year to visit, tour. Uh, we have kids that's learning. And so uh, we probably had about close to maybe 50 different countries represented on our site, uh, you know, so far since our inception. So it's been a great experience. Neighbors like it. Uh, you know, we got a lot of great coverage and, you know, we're looking to build on what we started at. And so we have plans, hopefully, next year to tear down the greenhouse and build some more commercial greenhouses and create like the first urban ag franchisable model that can be duplicated in other cities and other places. So that's our goal for 2020. Uh, we're working with HOK Architectural Firm uh, to to uh, build out the renderings that they made. It's a award-winning design that they won uh, that they came up with. And so hopefully we can uh, get that built out in 2020. So that's currently uh, what I've been working on uh, aside, aside with trying to get some cannabis license and hemp now in this past in Missouri. Yeah, so um, uh, how has that been going there in Missouri with their laws? Because they've been, uh, you know, really working at trying to get stuff passed. I know there's ups and downs with it, like every other industry. Right? Yeah, as far as the cannabis, I mean, it was 2,100 uh, applications in Missouri that uh, filed, and uh, there's going to be a 360 they're going to actually take. And so, so we've got a one in a seven chance on getting the application in. And so we apply for one cultivation, two manufacturing, two dispensary license. And so we'll know something as far as the cultivation and, and uh, manufacturing this month. And then I think January we'll know about the dispensary. And so uh, yeah, it's been a, been, a, it's been a long haul, a long challenge. Uh, it's pretty, uh, uh, it was uh, a lot of work uh, to put in for those cannabis licenses, very competitive. And what they was asking for for the license process, non-refundable fees, you know, ten thousand for cultivation, six thousand for dispensary manufacturing, and uh, just some of the questions they was asking. You know, you have to have like a physician, a chemist, and things like that on board. Industry experience, which was hard to have in Missouri, if you, you know, legal experience that you can put on a on a, on an application. So uh, it was a lot of a lot of hoops that they made you jump to. So. Hopefully, uh, we think we put in a good application, so we hopefully get you know one 
out of five applications we applied for. So what other crops have you guys had a lot of success with with your aquaponics? I know you've grown quite a few. I've seen some really cool pictures of your, your facility there. Yeah, pretty much a uh, lot, of, lot, of, lot of uh lettuce, butterhead lettuce, uh red lettuce, a lot of lot of uh, a lot of lettuce during the colder colder month, uh the warmer months, a lot of basil that we grew. We grew uh different herbs like in the cold. We'll do a lot of cilantro. Uh, we'll do wheatgrass, garlic chives. Uh, we've grown a variety of different things uh, inside of uh, the greenhouse. You know, just testing the waters and seeing you know, what the neighbors like and, you know, selling to different restaurants, things of that nature. So have you had anything that um, you grew in your aquaponics and maybe you just decided that wasn't the best thing to grow, either for sales or other reasons? Uh, well, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a, I'm right in the inner city, so uh, most people around the neighborhood they just want greens, you know, collard greens. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't enough collard greens, you know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, I, I can grow collard greens year round and they bomb all up, and so I think that's what I probably just need to stick to is just growing collard greens and mustard greens and things of that nature because, I mean, that's all they really want to eat. They can care less about the lettuce and some other things. But uh, I try to grow a variety of different stuff, a lot of different herbs uh, for different people. Um, and so uh, it just depends on, you know, the time of the season of what we're growing. And, uh, you know, we wasn't really focused, even though I built it on production, it kind of turned more into educational tours and, one of those neat things to see where you pull up a big bag of fish out of the water and the kids are smelling. So, you know, just to have that impact where we walk inside of Nile Valley on 29th and Wild Bash, which is like, you know, right, right in the middle of the city, right next to houses and right next to the main street in Kansas City. Uh, where you walk in inside, you kind of forget where you're at uh, until you hear them sirens going by. But, other than that, I mean, it's just one of those places where you, you actually come in and being at eye and learning, seeing something new for the first time uh, that you didn't even know existed. So we kind of got to doing a lot more educational and tours and just a, a, a tourist destination for people to come in town to see what we're doing over in Twin and Wild Bash at Nile Valley. So is there anything uh, maybe you've developed uh, with your aquaponic methods that maybe are a little less traditional or something that's a little more unique or something that you think maybe you do differently than other people? Yeah, uh, you know, one, you know, with, with aquaponics, it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, you look at different systems and you see people build them and you figure, you know, once you get in it, you're like, how do you be sustainable with aquaponics when you start looking at the numbers and crunching them and seeing, okay, how much can I produce? How much energy am I using? Am I being efficient? And so you really start drilling down. You see, like, what is uh, the profitability of aquaponics and how can you produce, you know, products out of it? And so what I've come to realize is, you know, just raising fish and vegetables just isn't enough you know, to be sustainable in aquaponics and actually make a living. And so, you know, that's when we had tours with kids that come in to, you know, charge for that, to, to increase the revenue. And also, 
uh, developing products. And so hopefully next year when we build our system out, we want to develop our own line of uh, nitrogen-rich water, you know, that we can sell to people who want to use that 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 water from uh, the aquaponic system, as well as using a fish as, uh, you know, a hydrocyte, developing a hydrocyte that we can use, you know, to uh, sell, you know, at 30 to $40 a gallon. You know, and so if you produce so much fish and then you can add that hydrocyte, you know, to the nitrogen rich water, you can actually develop a couple lines of products that you can actually sell. And I mean, the water is actually worth more than a fish when you look at it. And it's crazy that you can think that I can take a gallon of water out of my fish tank and sell it for $5, you know, and I got 50,000 gallons. So trying to get into more of a commercialized and, and uh, uh, production method of, of things that uh, it's not traditional in aquaponic systems that people need to look more into uh, as far as how can it be more profitable in aquaponic system. That's awesome. So, so you said you did tilapia mostly so far. Yeah, I haven't haven't done any other fish but tilapia. Nice. And and what? Uh, how's your experiences been with those? They're a lot of fun, especially yeah. for teaching. Yeah, tilapia is pretty, pretty, pretty easy going. You know, I think it's probably one of the easiest fish you could possibly do besides goldfish. And so, uh, uh, you know, we, we did have, you know, like I had I had at one point in time 30,000 fish and like 50,000 gallons of water. And so we did have a lot of fish. And so when you learn your system, you have some fish kills. So you live and you learn what works and what don't work and overstocking your, your, your tanks and things of that nature. So, uh Tilapia is pretty easy going. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you just have to learn your system and learn the fish and you have to observe your fish, you know, in the feed. And once you feed them and you're seeing how to hit that water, they're not hitting the water, you learn a lot about, you know, uh, the, the quality of the water. So you don't do have to do as much test as you were doing in the beginning as you would do once you start learning your system and start observing those fish as I've learned over the couple of years that I've been doing it. Nice. Is there any uh, crops you haven't grown yet that you're really looking forward to growing in the next year or two, uh, you know, that may, or, you know, in the future that you have no chance to grow? Uh, yeah, actually, you know, I uh, haven't, haven't done cannabis and aquaponics. You know, I visited the site that you've been to, I think, up here in Canada. Uh, uh, I can't think of the damn name of it now, uh, but in Hamilton, uh, Canada. So I got to observe what they were doing there, they had that Nelson and Page system, uh, but just, you know, trying to see the benefits of, you know, growing it in aquaponics, you know, and even hemp in aquaponics. So trying to figure out exactly, you know, how I can grow it naturally using hydrocyte, using the nitrogen and all those different things, compost teas to growing it naturally, as opposed to using those synthetic uh, fertilizers that people are using. Uh, so just looking at, you know, real interested in, getting into that portion of it being more sustainable and, you know, growing something that people is going to, you know, be using. If it's going to be medical, I don't, I don't understand how something is medical and you're using these synthetic chemicals that you can't drink and you're putting in the soil. So uh, uh, just looking at trying to grow something that's natural and healthy and something that, you know, you can stand behind at the end of the day. Awesome. Um, 
So uh, a lot of people out there would love to start doing, you know, more youth youth outreach type programs with their aquaponics uh, programs. Uh, what's some advice you have for people that are looking to kind of replicate what you do in your area, you know, uh, looking to get started and uh, maybe some advice, you know, that maybe would have helped you when you were getting going? Uh, advice, you know, us. Uh, you know, sometimes they say start small when you learn the system or learn the basics first. You know, I had a, you know, had a good good chance to to figure things out before I got the kid. Well, we, we also at the same time mean the kid. Um, but, you know, they're just interested in seeing the fish. I mean, just learning the biology and chemistry behind everything and just uh, introducing them to something different, man, just exposing them. You know, kids are impressionable. So anytime you can introduce a kid to something new, you know, exciting, instead of saying turn to page two to learn about nitrites, nitrites, ammonia, dissolved oxygen, pH, temperature, and all these different things, you know, they're more excited to actually get their hands down in there and actually learn these things and see it in action. You know, seeing a nitrification process when you have your uh, K1 media filter and you're, you're blowing it up and it's all, you know, doing the things it's doing to the bacteria and removing ammonia from your system. So when they can see those things and see how it acts and how it benefits and how it works in nature, uh, it's interesting to them. You know, it leads them to a path where uh, hopefully they can see some interest in agriculture where it's not traditional, where there's different things you can do in agriculture that can take you down different paths in life. And so that's why we try to do, we try to expose as many kids to as much as possible uh, in hopes that they find something that sticks and they can continue on, you know, in that journey of life because of something that we probably, you know, bridged them to, you know, being stuck on the island and not seeing, you know, what was all out there because they just been stuck. So we just try to provide a bridge for the youth to get from one point to the next point, and that's all we try to do. That's awesome. So is there any uh, things uh, maybe that were um, – um, a unique challenge to maybe growing in more of an urban environment compared to other places? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm right in the middle of the hood. And so all the stuff that comes along with being in the middle of the hood where, you know, you hear gunshots, and, uh, you know, police sirens. I mean, that, come, that becomes normal when we go around it's normalized. And so, you just hope that when you're doing a bus tour of people coming by that you don't have nothing to go off or something happening uh, at that point in time. But uh, other than that, man, the neighbors are being great. I haven't had any complaints. You know, I got goats. And so, you know, for a lot of people, seeing goats isn't a big thing. But when you got it right there in the middle of the hood, you know, they drive by and they're like, I know I didn't see a goat. So they'll stop traffic or almost cause a traffic jam to, to pet the goats and kids come up and, be able to pet it. So just something different, man. And so, uh, you know, it's unique. Uh, it's something that a lot of neighborhoods need. And I'm trying to hopefully get it built where we can build out other facilities and other places that have the same kind of impact we had in Can we have in Kansas City. And with some of the some of the fun things uh, that you've done with the kids and, and youth outreach, I know you uh, what are some of the different things that you do there uh, with the kiddos? With the kids, yeah. Let's see. You got you do a lot of work with that. Yeah, I mean, we do all kind of things. We've been hunting. 
We shot pheasant and taught them how to clean the pheasants. Uh, we've been in private planes and flew over Kansas City in private planes, over like the stadiums and downtown and things of that nature. We seen kids to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, actually learn how to fly planes. We uh, reward them $100 for a 3.0 grade point average in the, the core subjects. Uh, we go up to the school if there's any problems that they have, and so we can represent them uh, in the school system. Uh, we do a lot of, they work, they've been working at the city market here. We have a big city market and they're able to earn tips where, you know, for a seven, eight, nine year old to get a hundred dollars in a day, it's pretty big. You have a big wad of money. So, uh, they take enjoyment out of that. We didn't do it last year. We do it the last, we've done it the last three years. And so, uh, we do a lot, a lot of different things with the youth, uh, teach them a lot, teach them about manhood, what it means to be a man, be accountable, being responsible. Uh, and so this is that's the time that we have with them. And so we try to help them navigate society and uh, just teach them as much as we can while we have. That's awesome. Is there anything uh, that maybe the kids have uh, figured out or discovered uh, working with you on the farm that maybe uh, something you hadn't quite thought of? Uh, you know, they, you know, we, we, uh, you learn a lot, you know what I mean, about them. And so, you know, when, uh, like I said, we got goats. And so when it came time that they said, if you're going to eat meat, you need to learn how to cook and clean it, these things. And so, you know, I didn't think they're going to be, uh, you know, tolerant of us killing the goat. But, you know, it's pretty excited about it. I guess boys are just, you know, <laughs> are just like that. And so, uh, uh, we have, uh, uh, some neighbors who who sacrifice to have a halal goat like everything during Ramadan or something like that. And so uh, they showed the boys how to do it and they was tuned in and uh, they was part of the process. And they jumped right in there to help skin it and gut it and things like that. And so, you know, we got a kick out of it. Everybody enjoyed themselves. And, and so just trying to teach them survival skills if something happens and we go off the grid, we have things you need to do because people don't foresee, uh, foresee you know, the, the trouble we're coming into in the future as far as global warming and the food production that need to be localized. And so uh, this is uh, an aquaponics plays a big part in that, uh, you know, coming up in the future because we're not going to get any new water and we have to just start, you know, learning how to feed ourselves, you know, because California can't keep on producing what they're producing in California. And uh, that's going to be one of the biggest issues that people are going to realize they haven't realized it now. And so uh, it's going to come a time where people are going to be looking at, you know, us as as hopefully people to, you know, help be, uh, you know, communities that we're in. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, it provides a great way, especially to pop into any parking lot or any kind of paved area. You can put an aquaponic system and start ripping, you know. Yeah, even if you don't have the underground area access. Right. Yeah, I mean, it can be done on, you know, so many different levels. I mean, it don't always have to be aquaponics. It can be the cracky method where, you know, just have floating rafts or, you know, things of that nature. You're making your compost teas uh, to, to produce, you know, certain, certain leafy greens and vegetables. And so there's ways around where it can be done inexpensive without, you know, having to worry about the fish production, which is the biggest part that, you know, a lot of people just don't understand. 
So uh, what are any tips or tricks for people on the fish production side? So you said that's a little bit tricky. Uh, tricks, tricks uh, I guess, uh, you know, just maintain the right water quality, making sure your feed to, to uh, fish ratio and filtration is in place, you know, uh, the temperature. And so, like I said, trying to heat up, you know, because we dug six feet down on the ground. And so first off, it was hard because the way Will had it set, he had pecs piping, water running through the pecs behind the liners. And that's how we that's how we set it up. We've seen this system. We set it up like that, but that wasn't efficient enough. It wasn't heating the water. And so, you know, our fish didn't grow like they should have because uh, we should have just been heating the water directly instead of just putting it in a peck piping behind the the liner. So that's what we pretty much learned uh, is uh, you know, just heating the water. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the definitely, uh, and I was just talking to somebody today about that. You can set up the tankless water heaters like you would for uh, un underfloor heating and set them up into different zones and do a zone for your different you know areas. So it's always interesting to uh, to uh, set those up and, uh, you know, not very difficult either just to tank this water heater and expansion tank and then whatever else you're using the, to connect to that for heat exchanger. Usually PEX line usually works really well. Yeah, we had those uh, big, uh, what was it, AquaCal uh, heat exchangers. And so, uh, you know, we said we had to heat 50,000 gallons of water. And so they work pretty good, the aqua cows. And so we looked at the, the tankless heaters, but I mean, you, I, I don't think you can do a tankless heater for the size tank that we have, but there's different methods of heating it. I mean, we wanted to do a uh, rocket stove uh, to try to heat the water, but that wasn't efficient enough to do that route. So we just had to go with the aqua cow uh, heating units, you know, that way uh, if we wanted to move and go to like in, uh, a different fish, so like a trout, we can cool the water as opposed to heating the water. So that aqua cow heaters allow us to, to switch it to either cool it or heat the water. And so that's something I'm interested in getting into is growing trout, uh, you know, in the near future. That's really cool. So um, uh, any other, uh, so you're planning on trying to get into the, the hemp stuff uh, next year. Any particular cultivars you have in mind for that? That you're planning on growing? Yeah, I mean, right now, it looks like CBG is the only thing you can pretty much grow. You know, I've been uh, looking around and searching, and, uh, you know, to be on the safe side, like Missouri hasn't yet said exactly if they're going to go by the USDA rules or stand by, you know, their own state plan. And so right now, CBG looks like it's, it's the front runner to grow, it's a safer. And it's more profitability to grow on CBG anyway, so I don't know why you would grow anything else. And uh, trying to grow it in the greenhouse and start off being USDA certified off the jump, you know, uh, uh, in, a, in a greenhouse. And so uh, that's that's what we're looking to do. Hopefully, uh, this, this growth season. Hopefully, we'll have some get some seeds. Hopefully, in the next uh, by the end of this month, and start those up and get those mothers going and get those clones ready for for uh, the growing season. And so, uh, yeah, the, the USDA really messed a lot of stuff up for a lot of people. But, uh, you know, I guess the market's going to gonna equal out because there's a lot of people I've seen, you know, about 20 or 30 different 
you know, him groups. And it just seemed like yeah, it was like a gold rush. And, you know, people didn't have no kind of plan in place. They just put seeds in the ground or bought some stuff and had no idea who's going to harvest it, who's going to buy it. I mean, it was just, you know, I think people still sitting on stuff. It's people that didn't even harvest it, their crops. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you live and you learn is business like anything else in the day. Uh, and hopefully that, you know, it's kind of people learn with this USDA thing that, you know, need to take a little bit more seriously and uh, plan ahead. Awesome. So now do you do any probiotics uh, with your system? Any any microbial dosing or anything like that? I mean, you talk about compost teas and stuff like that. Tell us more about what you do with that stuff. An aquaponic system? Yeah, either, or yeah, that and or with your soil stuff as well. <clears throat> yeah, we don't I don't do too much. I don't really do too much with soil. Uh, most of my stuff is aquaponics. Uh, I don't uh, uh, haven't let me see have i i i've done dual root zones with uh my fruit trees my banana trees and things like that uh you know we basically just grew our own compost tea that we use add, add molasses uh to it and uh we also do a foliage spray using our compost tea and we was also doing some testing on uh uh, the leachate for my black soldier fly larva. And so we were producing enough leachate uh, for my larva to actually spray on some of our plants and see how it reacted. And we wanted to get that tested. So we didn't get a chance to get it tested. So we'll, we'll test that next year and I'll still try to use that, you know, for a, a natural insect repellent uh, because we produce so much of it and as much stuff that we had that we was feeding them, uh, our, our black soldier fly larva uh, in our system, it was a four foot by 120 feet long uh, tray of just black soldier fly larva. And we were feeding them coffee, spent grains from a brewery. And we were also feeding them, uh, what else were we feeding them? Spent grain and some food waste. And we might throw a dead fish in there every now and again. But they produced a lot of that leachate. And uh, with all the stuff in there that we were producing as far as the larva, uh, we didn't have any insects, you know, right around that that area, you know, because of that leachate. And so that leachate, we would take that leachate and spray our plants with it. And we didn't have much of a, a insect problem with our plants uh, because of the leachate. And so looking at looking at those things, testing them out, you know, there's not a lot of research done on it. And so those are some things we'll look to, like value added products that we can produce and commercialize in the system and looking at different ways that, you know, other people can look at and say, okay, we can do this process, we can do that. It's just not just about selling fish and vegetables and other things you can do to be sustainable in an aquaponic system. That's really amazing. I've never heard about using any kind of uh, insect leachate. I've heard of using insect frass or, or even growing, um, uh, you know, shatan eating microbes uh, on insect frass or things like that. But I've never heard anyone using the black soldier fly leachate and, and using that as an insect repellent. That's very, very interesting and uh, definitely something I hadn't heard before. That's really cool, man. Yeah, uh, you know, I actually went to China, Guangzhou, China, uh, to, you know, see how they was doing on a commercial level. They was doing close to 20 tons of this black soldier fly larva a day out there. You know, it was set up uh, 
uh, went to this warehouse. They had a warehouse of like uh, like Bowling Alley Lane. There was like 100,000 hogs on this farm and they had to figure out what to do with this waste. You know, usually it takes hogs about, you know, the waste about six months to, to compost down. These insects are able to compost it down in like three weeks time. And so they would take the eggs and these bowling alley, they would make a slurry out of this waste, uh, the feces. And they would put these couple of uh, insects, the flagstick by larva, like every 10 feet, like a cup. And like three weeks time period, uh, they would eat it and compost it down, break it down. And they would have compost that were used for different forms and sell that compost. And then take the insects, the, the maggots, and uh, feed it to the fish or chickens or whoever else they plan on selling it to. So I got to learn a lot about the black soldier fly larva out there in uh, Guangzhou, China. And so, uh, you know, I think, you know, per per square foot, I don't think nothing else produced more than a black soldier fly larva. You can find a market for it as far as the sustainability, you know, what it does to, you know, in nature. I think that's one of the most powerful insects or things, period, that we have out here that just uh, is flying under the radar uh, for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah, I know that I'm a big fan of them and uh, and roaches, you know, dubia roaches, hissing roaches. Those are my other ones, aside from the black soldier flies, I think, especially because, you know, their fat and protein per gram rates are, are much higher than a lot of other, uh, you know, energy sources that you can raise, especially for chicken feeding. A lot of people raise trophy chickens or even, uh, you know, large scale chicken operations that are more organic. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, when you grew up in the city, man, you don't you see roaches growing up, so you don't know. <laughs> you don't look at them as, as that kind of a source, but you know, uh, yeah, I mean, all those different insects, man, just trying to look at and and uh, try to try to emulate nature as much as possible in your system, as opposed to using all the synthetic stuff, man. So I'm, I'm, I just try to get into you know more of the the natural things as opposed to all the synthetic stuff that you see out there. So I'm just, you know, trying things out and seeing what works, what don't work, you know, and, uh, you know, trying to push it forward. Awesome. So, hey. mm. frog in my throat there. Um, so <laughs> uh, tell us more about uh, Black Soldier Fly. So is there any other tips or tricks or cool things you learned over there? It sounds like a really neat trip. Yeah. Uh... The soldier flies, I mean, at one point in time, uh, you know, we had, you know, probably four to five million of them possibly, you know, at one point in time. And they breed pretty fast. They have the five, nine, five to 900 babies every time they breed. Uh, you know, E.G. Graham is probably close to, you know, 30,000 uh, black soldier fly larvae. I think the most grams I probably produced in a day was close to, I think, 15 grams, I believe, which isn't a lot because I think in China they were doing like, I think, uh, shit, 10,000 grams, I believe, a uh, day there. And so uh, I built a room in the back of my greenhouse, a 10-foot by 10-foot room, and uh, that's where I was breeding them out of. And, I mean, it was really, my aquaponics is really, uh, you know, two people show or two or three people show and so for, you know, 4,500 square foot greenhouse and some small hot tunnels and, you know, doing all the stuff we were doing, uh, we were pretty much undermanned. So I want to get to finding, you know, funds to really step up that black soldier fire larva production inside of the greenhouse. 
I mean, that room that we have, that 10 by 12 foot room, you know, you should be able to do at least 100 grams of insects, of black soldier pot larva a day out of that room, you know, a full capacity, you know, in the spring and summertime and maybe early fall. I mean, even in the wintertime, if you have the right temperature and you have the right light setting, which don't require much out of there, you know, when you look at the profitability of it, if you have a market, those larvae per gram, you can sell it for about $20 a gram. If you can do, you know, 100 grams at $20 a gram, if you can do $5 a gram, you know, you're doing 100, you know, grams, you know what I mean? That money adds up at the end of the day. And that's not a lot of uh, input in a black soldier for larva besides feeding them waste. I mean, waste is free. And so, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's one of those things where, you know, I want to get more into the commercialization of black soldier for larva. So, Hopefully when I get this hemp, hemp thing going and uh, cannabis with the license, I will focus a lot of my attention to the black soldier fly larva uh, because I think there's more money in black soldier fly larva than I think anything else uh, than cannabis and hemp at the end of the day. <laughs> and they don't, you know, the one nice thing about them is they don't smell much. You know, they don't have much of a scent at all. It doesn't stink like a lot of other ones, you know. A lot of other types of composting and things can get pretty stinky. Yeah, you get you get it's sort of like kind of almost like a sweet smell almost. Uh, it's not a it's not a bad smell. No matter how much bad food that you throw in there, with a black soldier fly larvae, uh, they get to it and they devour before it gets a chance to start smelling. And so that's one thing where they can eat close to two pounds per square foot of waste, you know, and so you're talking about waste removal. These are some of the best waste removal. So we can actually move like 600 pounds of waste in our in our system a day if we want to put in there, but that's a lot of taking stuff in and taking it out of that nature. So we would always throw stuff in there and then just take this, the, the, the frass and, you know, just add it to the outside garden, uh, our free community garden outside. And so, uh, yeah, it was a lot of work. But uh, black soldier fly larva, I think, is really the future. And that's what I'm looking towards to get more involved in, you know, after this cannabis and hemp thing is getting more into, like, get involved with the black soldier fly larva. Awesome. And uh, uh, any other, um, you know, short-term plans aside from just ramping up and getting ready for the hemp stuff and everything else you got going? No, not really. Just uh, like I said, we're waiting to see. We got a couple of weeks, and so hopefully we get a good present from uh, the state with a medical uh, marijuana license, which is very interesting. Uh, and so that's that's just sitting back and waiting. But uh, like I said, I, I have more interest in hemp than I do that, and so we'll see what we do with the license if they're transferable or not. And uh, like I said, more interested in getting the hemp because they have more uses and. Uh, more benefits that I see than actual cannabis on the cannabis side. And so, uh, yeah, we're just sitting back waiting to see, man. And, you know, hopefully I'll have a good Christmas this year. Is that when they're going to let you know? Or do they, did they say when they're going to release them? Yeah, the 19th of December, I think, is one date. The other date is 19th of December for cultivation. Uh, 26th of, of December for manufacturing, and I think like January 16th or some, I believe, for dispensary. Oh, awesome. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Now, which ones did you go after? Uh, I went after all three of them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, the full vertical is definitely the way to go if you can get it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a way to go. Um, I think really, really one of the only ways you should, it should go is, is trying to go fully vertical. Uh, but, <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see how it's set up. I definitely wish you luck on that one, man. It's such an uphill battle and can be such a challenge. Uh, I know Marty and I have both uh, have spent plenty of plenty of time spinning wheels in mud with licensing. So, right, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, pretty pretty interesting. Every state is different, you know, and so uh, uh, we will we shall see. Awesome. So uh, I see you do tours and all kinds of different uh, classes and things. Tell us more about some of the different uh, things you do there at the farm on, on that level. Yeah, we do. We do tours, uh, workshops. And so we teach people how to build, you know, small high tunnels. So the average family spends about $5,000 a year on food. And so uh, if you can build a high tunnel for like $500, you know, you can decrease that food amount by, you know, you can still grow food even in the wintertime. Uh, even when snow is on the ground, you can still grow food. And so that's a lot of things that people think that the season ends in the wintertime. We can actually still grow, you know, different leafy greens like your lettuces or your your uh, uh, collars and, and things of that nature uh, over the wintertime. And so we just show people how to build these small high tunnels uh, that don't have to be heated uh, over the wintertime uh, and just teach aquaponic classes, intro, how to build small IBC tote systems, uh, composting, uh, you know, those, those type of, those type of classes that we have at, at the, the uh, now about aquaponics. Very cool. Is there any classes you're hoping to get into in the future? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we did some, we did have a couple of classes where we teach people how to grow cannabis, you know, cannabis 101, you know, identifying how to grow. Like I said, it's new in Missouri. And so, you know, a lot of people are interested on how to grow their own stuff or their own cannabis. And so uh, we've done some classes and did a one-on-one classes. We have a grower here out of Colorado, been out there for like the last four or five years. Uh, and so he, he conducts those classes and getting people started uh, there. So, uh, you know, just, just, just trying to identify, you know, what people want and trying to, you know, uh, address those, those needs and issues that people have. That's awesome. Is there uh, any questions um, any of the other panelists have for Dre? He does uh, a lot of work. I know Roger uh, follows you a little bit as well. Oh, I just wanted to give him a shout out. I see him doing a lot of work with the, the youth and uh, trying to mentor some of these young boys. And I really appreciate that. So just wanted to give you a shout out for that as well. It doesn't, doesn't just stop at educating on the farm. And I, I appreciate it. Like, I think you just recently, I saw you post about exposing some kids to like photography careers and different stuff like that. So just uh, big ups for that. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh... You know, it all, you know, I always tell my story. People always ask, like, what's my background? How did I get into it? Uh, my great-grandmother was a sharecropper in Jackson, Mississippi. 
And so she left Jackson at the, at the time when a lot of racial climate was. And so she left Jackson to go to St. Louis, from St. Louis to L.A. Uh, and that was in that Valley in 2015. We were talking about, you know, her gardening and growing food and things like that. And 2015 was the first year that she didn't grow anything because of the drought crisis in California. And so she'd been growing food for 90 years, and that was the first time in 90 years she didn't grow anything. And so, uh, you know, that year she passed away at age 97. She was still driving, going to the casino, doing all the fun things she wanted to do. But that's when everything came to full circle, because if something was to happen in California, you would see it come out to Kansas City and every other state. And so that's when I've really seen the impact of being able to grow your own food. And one of the late, her neighbors uh, got up at her funeral and said, that we called her former Brown because what she didn't eat, she gave to people in the community. And so when people always ask what my background is, I'm just doing the same thing she was just doing on a larger level. And just teaching people, you know, how to grow food and giving them the food away to people in the community. So uh, that's where, you know, I'm just continuing to, to keep that legacy going on growing food and giving it to people around who needs it. Awesome. Go ahead, Marty. Oh, I was just saying that, that it's awesome. I love it. The, the whole idea of it. And I and I we're we're friends on Facebook, so I see a lot of his posts and stuff. So it's uh it's very cool. Always always inspired, put a smile on my face. So I love that. Oh yeah. Yeah, do you wanna to touch on your youth outreach stuff? I know, especially with the, the we mentioned a little bit earlier, but uh you really do work hard to, to make sure these kids get a lot of uh, exposure to things that they definitely don't normally do in the inner city and, uh, you know, definitely uh, big, big ups for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, growing up, you know, half of my people I grew up with is either, you know, most of them are dead, you know, so, you know, trying to show them opportunity I didn't have, you know, growing up, you know, my best friend. Uh, um, you know, my stepbrother was killed. And so when you see some things like that that happens, you try to expose them to as much as possible. We don't have to go down the same route that, you know, some of the other people that I grew up around went in. And so just trying to provide an opportunity, man, and just, you know, show them a different space. Even with the cannabis, you know, where it's like now this is an industry that you can get into. I mean, even though there's a lot of barriers, they're just trying to figure out how, you know, as African-Americans, we can get inside of this system that we've been locked out of. And so with me seeing an opportunity with hemp, it's one of those transitions where you can grow to hemp and get into, you know, hemp and get that experience. So if you want to venture out into cannabis, you know, hemp is a less, you know, restrictive area to get in where you just pay $750 for a license and you can actually just grow it, you know, in your front yard if you just, you know, the way Missouri is set as opposed to paying a non-refundable fee and $10,000 and having to have, you know, $300,000 in a bank to show. And so these are some things that people with low incomes or just entry level want to get into something. They can learn, learn and bump their head on this hemp and then move on to getting into more things as far as the cannabis are concerned, if that's the direction they want to get into. Very cool. Well, so, uh, if anybody has any questions in chat, let me know. Uh, I'm happy to ask, uh, ask uh, Dre uh, any of your questions you have for, for any of his programs. Um, uh, do you have any questions about aquaponics? We have a, a panel of uh, experts here. We got Roger from True Aquaponics. We got Marty and myself. If you have any questions on aquaponics, we're happy to answer that as well.
Yeah, man, I've been following both of you guys. I mean, I see the True Aquaponics post a lot in different groups, and I see Marty doing, you know, a lot of comments on, uh, you know, the aquaponics and or the, the cannabis grows and watching his grow that he have he got there. And so, yeah, I've been seeing you guys for, you know, last four or five years, possibly, you know, online. And so, you know, sometimes it's one of the things we just see so much. And you, know, you can put, you know, a face and talk to somebody that you've been following and watching over the years. So, you know, uh, kudos to you guys for putting that information out there and, and being our resource because I know I've, I've probably at least, you know, seen some things you've done and try to implement it over in my direction. So, you know, kudos to you guys as well for putting that information and being a resource for everybody else who's getting out there and trying to learn. Yeah, we got frustrated. Marty and I both got frustrated by the lack of like really high quality aquaponic information out there and just grow information in general. So we try to just bring awesome people on like yourself that have done farms and uh, and educate people firsthand knowledge because that, you know, that's the best, right? So. Yeah, I mean, that's the way you're going to really learn. I mean, get out there and do it and mess up and figure it out, you know, the hard way. You know, you got to pay for school one way. And so sometimes a mistake is the way you pay for it. For sure. Like that. Is there any uh, uh, good learning mistakes you made uh, along the way? Yeah, just overfeeding my fish, you know, not having the right oxygen inside of the tank. And so when you see the fish going sideways on top of your tank, you know not to feed them again because they're still going to eat. So. Yeah, you learn that the hard way. And so that's probably my biggest fish kill that I have, which is I just didn't know, you know, because I, I didn't encounter that problem with them leaning on the side and not knowing that they develop, I forgot what it's called, but when they get that big gut and they just overeat, there's not enough oxygen in the water. So uh, that's probably my biggest, biggest learning, learning uh, uh, lesson that I had. Just, you know, seeing all my fish sitting on the top of the damn tank and couldn't even see the damn water inside of there because uh, just not to have enough the right ratio of oxygen inside of that tank. At least they were still alive. <laughs> yeah. The second go around it was the first go around and then didn't, didn't uh, go over so smooth. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yes, Actually, it just I think, I think I, this new system, I have I have one fish, just one. I don't know what it is about this one fish, but it just will eat itself like it tries to eat itself to death on a regular basis like all the other fish are fine but this one fish will just like eat itself sideways like once a month it's, it's just i don't know what it is. he can't control himself i guess yeah it's crazy how that thing works but i mean that's one thing you learn is watching observing your fish you know you know how your system works like i said you can read as many books as you want until you actually do it you you, you won't you won't figure it out yeah, I feel like in, until you get that hands-on experience, there'll be little pieces you miss, you know, because in and, and coming from someone who's, you know, tried to teach people how to do stuff and create content about how to do it, I, I can see why that happens, too, because it's really hard to think about every single little thing that someone might run into along the way. And when you when you do it yourself, eventually you run into that stuff. And so I think that's a... Uh, you know, and we talk about that a lot too. Like you can, you can learn a lot of stuff online. You can watch a lot of videos. You can read a lot of books, um, but you're never going to really like complete the circle until you do some hands-on stuff. And um, it, it just really helps bring it all, all together. So not that you can't get information and, and ideas and inspiration and all those different things from 
watching videos, it never replaces like putting putting some of that stuff in the action and learning from your, some of your own mistakes and um, really kind of fills in all the the rest of it. Yeah, I mean exactly. And so uh, I've had a chance to view a lot of different systems, uh, you know, all over from say Guangzhou to uh, where the hell I've been. I mean, all over the states, Blue Island system, California. Yeah, and just to see all the different things that's out there and all the, uh, it's just a wide variety of different things. See the Nelson and Paid overpriced systems. Uh, and so it's just, it's just, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you know, so when you see those and you're seeing, uh, you know, they sell them from greenhouse manufacturers and like, this stuff is crazy. There's not enough education out there, and so I think it's a it's a, it's a hole in the market as far as education, as far as aquaponics that can be utilized and uh, be put out there a little bit more than what's out there now. Absolutely. Um, any other questions? Uh, anybody else has for uh, for Drake? I don't have a question, but just comment, uh, Mr. Taylor. Uh, your first comment or post in uh, Trocoponics was July of 2015. I actually went and looked it up just to see because I was very curious. So you've been with us for a long, long time. We'd love to see you post more often in there. Uh, we think you're doing great things and, and helping people become greater people. Uh, so it's, to us, that's very, very important. Yes, yeah, uh, it has been a while since I posted in and I think about it, I used to post in there, I think a lot and all those different groups, but just, uh, you know, uh, just hands are full. I mean, I'm all over the place, you know, got the, the aquaponics I got going, I got a fruit orchard, I got co-op with that. I got my mentor and I'm getting into the hemp and cannabis space. So, uh, you know, I, I would love to probably do more YouTube things and I should have been doing it from the jump, but I just haven't, you know, found the time to get into doing you know, a lot of videos that I should, should have been a long time ago. And so uh, hopefully with this hemp and cannabis thing, I might try to do more videos and post a lot more things that I'm doing uh, just to, you know, show, you know, uh, different aspects of, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of, you know, this agricultural piece. That's really, really cool. Well, uh, I don't know, does anyone have any other questions? All right. Well, I really appreciate your time coming on the show and uh, telling everybody about uh, what you do over there at Nile Valley and uh, all the wonderful things you're doing and uh, how people can kind of think about some more ways about how to, you know, do different types of outreach with their aquaponics setup. And it's always good to have a, a nice aquaponics farmer. It does a lot of vegetables too. We get a lot of cannabis focused stuff and uh, it's always good to have some veggie focused stuff as well now and then. So really appreciate you coming on and I really wish you good luck with your uh, license. Hopefully we can bring it back on in a month or two and you can tell us about how excited it is that you have a license so, or maybe, uh, maybe could bring it back on in the spring when you got it up and running. Yeah, I'd be glad to be on and uh, talk about it and, and bring our facility. And so we're actually about to start doing some site planning now for the hemp, you know, uh, you know, in the next month or so. So we'll be putting up some green, some light up greenhouses you know, do the hemp inside of there. And so 
trying to figure out if I'm going to do it the traditional way or do it in a dual root zone. So that's where I'm battling right now is, you know, which way I want to go with it. So uh, that's 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 what I'll come decide the next month or two, which direction I want to go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you need help, I'm sure you can reach out to me or Marty and uh, we'll get you straightened out. And if you need nutrients, reach out to Roger. Thanks. I know you guys. <laughs> If there's anything else Thanks. we can help you with, you need uh, to spread the word or anything, be you know, feel free to use our, our group for that. Um, we're, we're happy to have you post with us. It'll work. Thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to come on and uh, tell everybody about what you're doing. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, I'll definitely be in contact with you guys. Enjoy the holidays, and I'll see you on the other side of the new, the new year, hopefully. Sounds good, man. Happy holidays. How do do people uh, find you? What's your website? And uh, and if they want to look you up and get more information. Uh, Nile Valley Aquaponics on Facebook. Uh, And uh, NileValleyAquaponics.com. I I believe we post, uh, I think we have a Facebook feed on our, our website, I believe. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we usually try to post something every day on Nava Aquaponics site, you know, regarding lease food or some kind of food production. If it's not aquaponics, you know, we have our goats in there or something. So, uh, we try to stay active with our lease, our Facebook, uh, with Nava Aquaponics. But yeah, you can find, find me there or, you know, uh, Dre Taylor, uh, Facebook. So either, either one, you can find me. I'm not, I'm not hard to find. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good one. You too. Cheers. All right. How's it going, uh, Marty and Roger? Oh, it's going pretty good. I just uh, got back from taking my dad to the um, one of his doctor's appointments for his Parkinson's. So I was a little late. Missed a little bit of it, but it's all good. I, I've I've followed Dre for a while, so um, I think just like Roger said, he's been in the group for a long time. He's been one of the ones that's kind of, you know, been out and about for, for a little while, so it's kind of cool to get to talk to him for a minute. We've been friends on Facebook for a while and commented on each other's posts and stuff, but I don't think I've ever, like, talked to him, face, well, I guess, sort of face-to-face, webcam to webcam, um, however you want to, you know, but... but uh, really like a lot of the work that he's done for a long time so other than that not too much going on uh other than what we talked about on tuesday just sort of um doing more maintenance stuff getting the bedroom will be probably functional by like the end of the weekend (laughs) at least have two of my systems uh plugged into there i'm going to pick up a cut of Purple Hindu Kush, a.k.a. Jaeger, that uh, a local breeder sort of um, restarted from a different pheno. So I don't know where he got seeds or how that happened. But anyway, uh, going to pick that up and add it to the mom collection. So that'll be going to quarantine. I've got a little greenhouse now. Um, well, I've, I've always had it, but at the, here at the new place, I've got a little greenhouse set up for a quarantine area. So they'll go into there and uh, mostly just setting up cloning stuff. 
and uh, getting that off the ground so I can get all of my own cloning squared away and get all these moms sorted out. And uh, yeah, the stuff to build the scrognet is ordered. It should be here, you know, hopefully tomorrow. If not, then I might have to wait till next week, depending on who the shipper is. But that's kind of the the same old stuff I've been working on. But it's going good. Everything's growing really well. Like all the um, like the tomatoes are really going crazy. They've probably like tripled in height since I put them in, and uh, already got flowers. So hopefully we'll start growing some some actual tomatoes soon. They they need support. That's another reason I got to get the net up is they need support too so that'll be uh that'll be the priority at this point oh i had one fish i had a jumper <laughs> got lucky because it jumped out of the top and ended up landing in the sump tank so i don't know how it managed to do that but uh lucked out if it jumped the other way it'd just be dead <laughs> so probably have to get the cover on relatively soon. So those are kind of my sooner rather than later projects. I got to get the, the bedroom system set up. So I've got room to move plants in there. And then I'll have room in the flower room to kind of work around and build the scrognet. So just kind of sliding things around, get them all done. Oh, yeah. I got a, a question from chat. Hey guys, I had a question about nitrogen nutrients. What's the best method to lower nitrogen in an aquaponics system when it's time to flower? Uh, the easiest way is to stop feeding your fish so much and you know, cut the feed rate to half or a third is what it was it was before, and uh, and that's the easiest way. Um, if you alternatively, you can feed acetobacters. You could do vodka dosing for denitrification, uh, which is another way that you could do it as well. Uh, or you could bring on additional plants uh, for, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, companion plants that would absorb it. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually grow extra plants, you know, well, I guess technically first I cut back on feed and then I generally also like to have um, other plants in there already, you know, so like I'll, have a lot of leafy greens in there that will a lot of times they're just going to slow their growth when the nitrogen slows down but i i feed half as much during flower as i do during veg and i usually start that about a week before i get ready to flip into flower so and you can even cut it back also if you want to do half as much on your feed you could do half as much half as often if you really needed to you could step it down even less so feeding less is the the easiest in my opinion and then growing greens that you can eat you know just seems like a relatively easy way to deal with it if you need to start something that'll start taking up nitrogen right away i recommend um like getting green onions that already have roots like from the store and you can just plug those in you know chop them and eat them and then just plug the roots into your system and they'll start uh, regenerating and taking up nutrients relatively quickly. And they're usually clean and you know you don't have to worry about like transplanting them from soil or something. Um, so 
that's always a, a pretty good way to go if you need something to start taking up uh, stuff right away. And you, you don't have like anything that you, you know, like seed, like even microgreen seeds aren't going to start taking up nutrients for a little while. So sometimes it can be difficult to bring down nitrogen in the system with companion plants because they kind of already need to be established in order to be really effective. So I keep them in there at all times and just um, generally they, they just grow on the excess nitrogen um, in the system and they'll, you know, usually just speed up or slow down their growth depending on how much excess there is, especially if you have large cannabis plants already that are taking up nutrients, they're going to, they're going to feed and the rest of your plants are sort of going to, you know, grow on whatever's left over. So I don't know who asked that question. Let me see. Brandon, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I think that was. Yeah, it, it can be tough to find some information online. Salary is also works. It's a little stockier, so you might need to add some more phosphorus um, and, and probably some calcium, but usually you know, almost every, all your amendments and different things have calcium. <coughs> so cutting back your feed is the easiest. Um, depending on your type of fish, you can probably go for um, you know, a considerable amount of, of cut in order to lower your nitrogen, especially if you have like goldfish or koi. I don't know about tilapia or other types of fish. How do they do with cutting their feed back, Steve? Is there any issues with drastically cutting fish feed on other types of fish? I know koi and goldfish don't really care. No, I mean, I would, I would be careful if you're doing like tropical fish, you know, if you're doing a large tropical fish filtration system or something like that, just because they're, they don't have the same biomass to store enough energy to really, you know, hold it and, and be good with that. So, um, you know, I would say smaller fish, you know, definitely be careful with that, but larger fish and more older, you know, more adult fish wouldn't have as much of an issue as younger fish or, or smaller fish. It kind of be the, the bigger factor. So just to kind of jump in, um, what we've been working on uh, is the new service that we're offering. I have spent an enormous amount of time getting it put together uh, with Steve's help, of course. Uh, we are generating lots and lots of interest, lots of people coming on board, um, wanting to get their water tested for these larger systems and um, get their minerals shipped to them monthly or, or bi-monthly, or well, bi-weekly rather. Um, that way they can balance their system out. And we're not only excited about that, but also at some point we're going to add on uh, IPM, which is just basically pest management. And uh, at some point I'm being pushed very hard. I'm not going to point at the guy that uh, is pushing me, but uh, to carry fish food also. Uh, that way you get your your feed, your minerals, and your your pest management all in one package. But that's that's out there ways. Uh, we, we need to to get our system worked out as far as uh, handling the, the water testing and, and providing minerals on a, a bi-weekly or monthly basis to you folks. Uh, but it's, it's promising. It, it, it's 
really looking up and, and performing well so far. So we, we look forward to the future with that. Yeah, we've had a, a, a huge interest. We keep uh, getting a, a whole bunch of new people uh, every couple of days, and uh, it's been been a lot of fun uh, to see how much, how much interest has been in us. It's been really cool. So um, really stoked on that. And then, uh, you know, we have, uh, it's based on, you know, the size of your system, the, the crops, and, um, you know, any, any other factors, temperature, pH, uh, a couple of other variables that uh, are real important. And then, uh, we test your water and send you the nutrients you need to fix everything without having to deal with all the headache and rigmarole and uh, uh, all the bad information that's out there on, on nutrients. So again, it makes it real simple for you. Let us do all the hard work uh, and let you just focus on the plants. And that really is a, a great little service. What else is new with you? Any other interesting people that have reached out to you in the last uh, short while maybe interesting stories or interesting problems i know you're uh, you know it's getting colder you know with december coming up if people ha don't have them already make sure you get your heaters or if you're looking for a great you know christmas gift i know roger has some really unique heaters as well that uh, are, are pretty hard to find uh, an equivalent to yeah we're we're pretty proud of our heaters they uh they don't tend to break down like the little glass heaters that you get for a couple dollars off amazon um, they, they do wear out in time, but, uh, the parts that wear out are, are cheap to replace for the, for the consumer. So, um, as they, they stop working, which, which they will, I mean, heating elements do not last forever. Anybody that tells you they do is lying to you. Uh, but when they do wear out, we, uh, we keep them in stock so we can reship immediately. And it's literally, you unplug the old one and plug in the new one and keep right on going, keeping your fish tank warm or actually your entire aquaponics system warm. Uh, up to a certain size, but uh, yeah, we, we love those heaters. And, and as far as anything else new going on, uh, that this new service is is it, man. We are we are so excited and stoked about it. Um, we're seeing changes in people's systems already, uh, just just from the first month, month and a half. So uh, we we just can't wait to see what happens in the next couple of months. Sorry, I didn't realize I was still muted. Uh, absolutely, yeah, it's been a lot of fun working with, together with Roger on this and getting it going and uh, we're stoked on that. Uh, I know uh, a friend of the show, Jesse, is coming to get working hard to get uh, merch going for the show. Uh, I know she has some amazing cannabis uh, tilapia smoking a joint socks that I am very stoked and looking forward to wearing. Um, Can't go wrong with hoodies. Right, some hoodies, some hats, some Columbia shirts. smoking a joint with a Santa Claus hat on, right? Yep. Backpacks, uh, all aquaponic cannabis stuff. And, um, uh, you know, the, the proceeds of that are just going to go to help host the show. You know, I spend quite a bit of money on the on hosting the show on on, you know, hosting costs and web costs and different subscriptions to make all the different things run with the audio and stuff. And uh, we're going to work on starting next year, we're going to do a a recorded show that's going to be a little bit higher quality and a little bit more professional and then we'll have the uh, a one weekly live show uh, and move into that for next year's uh, formats um, this past year we moved to two shows a week uh, i think it worked out really well we weren't able to always meet it every single time but we, uh, i know marty and i sure did our damnedest to make it happen i uh, really appreciate everybody uh putting in uh, all the extra effort and um, yeah 
So uh, Rodney, Roger needs to get going. Uh, did you want to tell you uh, out everybody to find you? Yeah, absolutely. Check us out at uh, truealcoponics.com backslash store. Make sure you get that backslash store in there. It won't work. Um, or you can catch us on Facebook, Truealcoponics. Uh, just search us on Facebook or look for Roger Loper on Facebook. Uh, you'll find me and let me know that uh, you're an aquaponics aficionado and uh, we'll get connected. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Um, so we got a, a, a thing in chat here. A guy goes, uh, once almost electrocuted myself, felt the water reached in and felt the checked, felt the glass heater had broke. Um, uh, was shocked to see the latch attached to it. Scared myself half to death. Only use ceramic heaters now. Yes. Uh, one quick word of, of wisdom here. If you ever think there is loose electrical in your aquaponic system, um, you definitely want to use the back of your hand to check the system. You know, if you can check it in a different way, then great. But use the back of your hand to check it because on the off chance there's a high electrical current in there, it will cause your arm to pull back because your biceps hard, you know, stronger than the back of your you know, muscle in the front, stronger than the back because you use it more. And you will pull your arm out of the water. Whereas if your arm is down, you'll pull your arm into the water, further electrocuting yourself but you can actually use the back of your hand to jerk your arm out of the water should there be a high current in there and actually save your life if it's a high current. Especially with aquaponic systems, it's something that we don't really talk about, but I'm glad that somebody mentioned it in chat. Yeah, just, just to add to that, um, if you're using any heater, mine included, if it's plugged in, do not touch the water, period. That's the safest thing to do. If you need to check something and you're going to touch that water, unplug your heater, no matter who the manufacturer is, because who knows what may go wrong. If you stick your hand in there, even, even when you do it with the back of your hand, like Steve's saying, which is the safest way to do it, uh, you know, anything can still happen. Uh, when you're jerking your arm back out, you may grab a pipe with your other arm and pull it loose and have water coming out on you and still electrocute yourself. Unplug those things before you check, guys. And we, we include that information with all of our heaters. Never touch your water while they're plugged in. It's just, it's not worth it. Not worth the risk. All right. I got to get, you guys have a great night. I will see you next time. See you later, Roger. Also, never put ballasts on the floor. I see this a lot. People in grow rooms will put ballasts on the floor as well. And, uh, you know, that's a great way to break dance if you get a water leak. Yeah, you know, I just—I like to keep all electrical cables, regardless, like dehumidifier, your, you know, the the power cable for your pump. Uh, you know, if you have a uh, external fans, um, you know, anything that requires power, I, I just like to keep all that stuff up off the floor. Just seems like. Because if any water, I mean, you have so much water in your room, it just seems like if any of it started leaking for any reason, you would not want to be, um, you know, electrocuting yourself, trying to get in there and turn it off or find out what the leak is or anything. <laughs> so I have all of my, like, all my plugins are all up off the ground or, uh, 
stapled or nailed to the wall just doesn't seem like it's not a risk I'm willing to take personally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I was going to say something else and I lost my train of thought. Shit. Oh, uh, thanks again, everybody else as well. You know, we hit 100,000 views just in the last, you know, 11 months on, uh, on SoundCloud alone. We're approaching half a million views across all platforms for the year for the podcast. So that's, I mean, I never, certainly never would have thought we would have been approaching half a million views in a single year. <laughs> Uh, across all platforms like that's incredible so thank you yeah, everybody pretty crazy. For support. thanks for all the support for all the episodes and uh yeah i remember when we were excited when we had like 10 live viewers we were like right? whoa 10 yeah, people crazy. at the same time are watching i was like oh that's crazy <laughs> i got 100 views for that episode yeah I think who was the first one we had a lot of views on? Was it? I think it was maybe Scotty or I know that Jeff was Jeff Lowenfels was a really popular Jeff, one. Jeff Lowenfels, sort of Frenchy, Frenchy, I think. Had, like, remember, serves me. I think Frenchy still has our record. Oh yeah, 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 Frenchy. He was a little bit later though. Yeah, but I think he has the record for most simultaneous memory serves me. Very cool. It's a Bubble great episode. Bubble, Bubble Man had quite a few as well, so that was fun. So cool. I just think it, uh, that was yeah, another popular. Heavy Days had a lot as well. So shout out to Heavy Days. For sure. And, uh, the quote, quote, was it the, the podcast? That's the it, podcast. The podcast, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think what else. I've just been getting ready for Zimbabwe. Um, getting ready to go out to the Hive event and then BizCon and then uh, off to hopefully Emerald Cup. I might have to leave a day or two early. We'll see. I'm trying really hard to make it to Emerald. I might have to skip out a little early. Unfortunately. So. Oh, man. So these um, are that, that tomato plant. So this was like and you see how tall it is there. It was like maybe a week ago, something like that. Now, that's how tall it is now. Nice. Got the flowers rocking. Yep. Are you giving it any extra, any extra potassium to keep that going? Oh, yeah. I got, just got a mix of, you know, basically the same thing that I mix up for flour, um, which is you know, usually has like langbanite and some rock phosphate and then the worm castings. This time we're mostly um, uh, fermented apple leftovers were fed to the worms and uh, made castings for that one. <laughs> so right. good stuff. All right. Well, um, yeah, so I will, uh, I guess we'll wrap up the show a little early. I know I'm pretty hungry. I've been uh, working all day and then kind of jumped right into the show. So um, I will, uh, how do people find you there, Marty? 
Oh, so you can find me uh, just what it, you probably saw pop up on the screen was Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Group on Facebook. Um, you can find me on YouTube at AP Meds. You can find me on Instagram at AP Meds. You can find me on Patreon at AP Meds. And uh, yeah, just working on a little bit every day. Awesome. And um, you can find me at Pump Ponics, uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, all the different places. Uh, I will also be at the Hive event, the BizCon, and hopefully at Emerald Cup. Uh, Emerald Cup, I might end up having to cut out. Uh, I might have to leave a little early. Some of our timelines got moved up a little, a little bit. And uh, sometimes you got to go make money, unfortunately. So we'll see. But, uh, but we'll see how things go. And uh, just looking forward to seeing a whole bunch of, of people I haven't seen in a long time. It's always nice to go out to these events at the end of the year and uh, see all the homies and all the supporters and all the amazing people that help make our industry awesome and help keep us sane. <laughs> um, especially excited to see Josh and Kelly. So super stoked on that. I don't think I've ever seen them and not felt revitalized and not had a nice good reset button from from the industry burnout that happens every year <laughs> so uh, super stoked to see them for that and uh, hope to make it to the tps if not uh, i send my love out there and uh, we will um see you guys uh i guess in two weeks or so um uh we will not have a show next week uh, i will be entirely too busy between all the events next week going on um, to, to host any shows the week after that uh, as soon as uh, I'm done traveling and all the other craziness uh, we'll, we'll get back to a schedule we might might take two weeks off uh, in fact that's probably what we should do is just take two weeks off um, and then we'll come back on the week of Christmas and we'll be back and uh, we'll be live from Zimbabwe so that'll be great and then uh, starting on the first I think we'll, we'll switch over to the, uh, the new schedule all right, so we'll, we'll see you guys again. Again, if you are watching this and uh, you're wondering where the hell the show is, I'll try to post a quick thing on Tuesday and Thursday. Hey, no show this week uh, from the West Coast. Hey, Steve. And, uh, yep. You did have a one last question from Chad if you wanted to answer. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Brandon says, continuous flow versus flood and drain. What method do you guys recommend? Sure. So uh, continuous flood um, tends to have some issues with, especially when you come into late flower, when the, uh, when the plants start to you know, shut down portions of the root system and flower system um, that, that can get fed on by some of the microbes and really cause some issues. And uh, uh, just gives you less control. You also tend to build up fish waste because of that constant flood. You don't kind of have that flushing mechanism that happens with the flood and drain. So you end up with you know, build up a lot faster and in more more pockets in the, in the media beds in general and more channeling, um, which I find is more of an issue. Uh, and then also uh, with the flood and drain, you get that that diaphragm action like we talk about all the time with the, with the dual root zone pots, where that water going up and down is creating gas exchange in that soil zone or just in that, in that root zone in general, just in creating much increased uh, gas exchange and increased them, sorry, increased plant growth, uh, as well as uh, helps make the microbes a little bit happier by having a little more oxygen. So um, I guess that's really the, the biggest advantage. So if you have the option, you always, always, always go with flood and drain over continuous flood. Yeah, I agree. I think that 
and I, I feel like I've, I've seen that um, firsthand uh, as well, just in the, my own grows that I've done. And I've done everything from, you know, a constant flood or, you know, what do they, uh, what do they call it where it's in the, just in the, um, <laughs> in the PVC pipe itself, that's just running oh, through NFT. NFT. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've done NFT and pretty much anything that doesn't, um, allow for that change <clears throat> in in oxygen I feel like is the the major disadvantage to anything besides flood and drain and really it doesn't matter how they flood and how they drain you know you, you know we've talked about this extensively like you can use a bell siphon you can use a timer you can you you know like it doesn't really matter as long as the water level comes up and the water level goes back down um, that's really all you need. There's not, uh, you know, there's no, there's no magic to it. Just the water level itself rising up pushes the air out of all of those little spaces uh, in between. And then when the water level comes back down, the air gets pulled back in by the water level dropping out, giving it fresh air and the water fills back up and pushes all of that stale air out. And then you, you get that kind of exchange on a regular basis, uh, it's going to be beneficial. Um, the only thing I will say about timers is that if you use timers, it generally ends up requiring more maintenance and you have to change more often because you'll start developing um, like uh, solids in your media beds or your flow will change a little bit and you can run into challenges to where if you're timing it really tight, like let's say you you know as soon as it's empty you wanted to start filling again just like we we have on with bell siphons or u siphons or whatever external siphons or loop siphons or whatever you want to call them uh, is that as soon as they empty out they start filling up again and so if you, when you're doing that on a timer sometimes the amount of well not sometimes every time the amount of time that it takes for your system to drain completely out of water will will take longer eventually once you start taking up uh, uh, media bed space with roots so there'll be variations in it so running a timer you'll just have to check on it and make sure that your beds are draining completely out because if your beds are only half empty you don't want to start filling it up again or else you're going to end up with half of your bed that never empties out and so you'll be more in a continuous flow um, type for half of your beds uh, so just be aware that each one of those different types of things uh, comes with it, uh, its own issues. So, um, but, but all of that being said, it's definitely worth it as much as possible. And uh, somebody just said worms in your media beds. Absolutely. You should have as many worms as <clears throat> you can fit in your media beds. Uh, red wigglers, um, you know, you, you can't really overpopulate them if you start to overpopulate them they will start eating themselves so it's really uh um you can't have too many of them absolutely and put them in your dual root zone layers also and they will just continue oh, to yeah. populate out from there as well so um, black, wor black, black worms as well to help eliminate that sludge layer yeah it really makes a big difference yeah yeah, worms and labs. And and 
back to the original question, flood and drain over continuous flow, hands yes, down. For the most part for, for air exchange, it reduces the amount of air that you need in your overall system as well, because then your, your plants aren't absorbing all of the ox dissolved oxygen out of your system. They're getting access to oxygen from outside the system as well. So it, it really reduces the amount of air that you need in your your overall system. So there's just a lot of different benefits to it, but and that has mostly to do with, with gas exchange. Probably less likely getting root rot and some other different things as well. Uh, your your media beds are going to be less likely to go anaerobic in different areas because they're also getting constantly exchanged uh, with air as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and same thing with to, over DWC as well. If you can do flood and drain over DWC, again because of that flood and drain action, that gas exchange, that diaphragm action. Uh, you, you're going to get faster growth and better plant growth overall uh, than with a solid and regular DWC, uh, in which we've gone over numerous times, different farms, examples, and different things and, and comparisons. And, and you know, and it really doesn't matter what you're growing either. It doesn't. We're not just talking about cannabis. This is, I mean, lettuce. It'll yeah. have the same effect. Uh, tomatoes have the same effect. Uh, you know, it really doesn't. It's not like a cannabis specific thing. If you're uh, but it doesn't matter what you're growing. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we're going to uh, wrap up the show here and uh, we'll catch you guys again on the flip side here in two weeks. Thanks everybody for joining us and uh, we'll see you guys Christmas week. And uh, thanks again for your continued support. And uh, we'll have a couple of live videos in between now and then. We'll do some events from where we're at. Uh, I'm pretty sure one of the places I'm going, there's no video service so, or uh, cell phone service. So we'll, we'll see. But um, otherwise, we'll, we'll catch you guys and we'll have some video from BizCon and then uh, uh, hopefully Emerald Cup. All right. Cheers. <laughs>